Hello and welcome to Tape Notes, the podcast that looks behind the scenes at the magic of recording and producing music. Every episode we'll be reuniting an artist and producer and talking through some of the highlights from their collaboration in the studio. So join us as we lift the lid on the creative process and the inner workings of music production to see what lies beneath. My name is John Kennedy and joining me today are Rosie Lowe and producer Dave Okumu. Rosie is a singer-songwriter originally from Devon who brought together future R&B, jazz and electronics on a fascinating and emotional debut album, Control. Dave is a longtime friend and supporter of In The Woods, having played more than once with his band The Invisible, a legend in the music industry. As a musician, Dave has played with the likes of Amy Winehouse and St. Vincent and on the other side of the desk produced and co-written the Mercury-nominated album Devotion for Jesse Ware, among others. We've come to Brixton, to Iguana Studios once more, to have a listen to their relationship in music. They helped create the album Control together. They made other music together as well before that. And I last saw you both at In The Woods 2016, when you were both performing as part of the Bowie Prince Supergroup tribute show that you had put together, Dave, uh, which was absolutely fantastic. And uh, in many ways... that that group came together because of the many different relationships you have with many different musicians who you've worked with over a a long period of time. But when did you two first meet? I don't don't know if I can answer that question accurately. I I definitely have like, I've got like three early memories of of meeting Rosie. I gave a, a lecture at Goldsmiths and I think Rosie was in the class, but you didn't, you didn't say anything, did you? No, not really. <laughs> I um, I don't really see that as part of our first meeting because I feel like it was we in like really very meet. different circumstances, and it wasn't like a, it wasn't kind of like a, a coming together in the same way. Um, I heard about Dave for a long time before I met him, through people saying that I think you two would really, um, fit musically. So I I heard some. Um, invisible, some of the invisible stuff and, you know, was kind of blown away. But my managers at the time and also Domino Publishing and my publishers were saying that, you know, you guys should get together. So I went to a gig um, of Dave's and and we, we kind of just hit, you know, we linked up before like really briefly. And then um, I, I can't really remember what happened either. The next thing I'm like, I'm like doing your washing up in your in your kitchen. That's right. Yeah. So I was gonna come. I was gonna come to that because I, I feel like um, there's, there were two really important moments for me. One was um, I, I feel like I met Rosie through her music. So I, I, I had a meeting at Domino. They were like, "There's this, um, there's this really great artist, and we were just wondering if you'd be interested in, in perhaps working with her." And they played me these demos, and I think they were like the first things Rosie had ever really made on her own, and they were so kind of beguiling and intriguing. And I remember thinking, you know, for me, when I'm when I'm thinking about working with people, I'm always thinking, can can I help, or will I just get in the way? And I remember thinking, I don't, I think I'd probably get in the way with this person because it, it was so clear that she was like a natural writer and she had her own voice, which she was exploring. And it felt like she just needed to carry on doing that without anybody interfering. But I was just really happy to hear something that was so distinctive. And um, so I feel like that's where I met Ro. But I, I, I kind of agreed to have a look at one of the tracks and just see what could happen. And I remember just going on this like super trippy journey with this track where I didn't really feel like I, I, it was appropriate to add anything to it harmonically. And it had all largely been made through vocals. I wish I kind of had it with me now, actually. And I just, I ended up sort of programming some, some electronic stuff around it. And it, it just wasn't like any other piece of music I'd ever made or heard really. And I, that always excites me in music. And, um, yeah, so then I our paths didn't really cross. I do remember the gig where we where we met briefly beforehand, and it was so cool to meet you there, you know. And that that was that was great. But then um, I kind of went on this extraordinary journey myself, where I had like a um, I had a, a sort of near fatal accident and broke my leg and had like three operations, and my album touring process was put on hold, and um, it was a very kind of 
vulnerable time for me. I was I was kind of healing from this experience and um, somewhere through the various channels, like probably through management, you know, it was suggested that Rosie and I maybe get together and I felt open to it, but and kind of but also kind of cautious because I wasn't really in a state to like work or like really think about that kind of thing. And Ro basically came over one afternoon and just looked after me, <laughs> like <laughs> made me food and like washed my sort of mountain of dishes. And we didn't even really talk about music, but I just thought this person's great. <laughs> yeah. She can come over again. <laughs> <laughs> she brings Maybe me food we'll... and washes up my yeah, stuff. <laughs> yeah, basically. Um, yeah, but, so yeah, those... Those two things told me a lot about who she is, really. And I think that's why we're sitting here today. So one of those first songs that you worked on together that we were going to have a listen to and see how it how it developed and came about is Me and a Ghost from the Right Thing EP. Um, so how did it all begin? So how do you develop songs, Rosie? How do you uh, write or, or sketch things down? Well, at at this time, and the majority of stuff that I was writing, um, it was like a real change for me because I'd been writing everything up to this point with um, just my just using my voice and kind of abandoning the piano and the guitar and stuff because I felt like they were kind of limiting me, and I felt like that was really got me kind of my sound and where I wanted to sit and and like this was the first time that I started you know collaborating a bit more and uh you know using the piano and and kind of more traditional songwriting approach um but in terms of these the four songs that are on my ep and and the album it usually comes from like a a situation that's going on like i i really do feel like i need a my voice and i need to have something to say and and then it comes the song comes from that being at the root of it usually me and your ghost was a different situation because i've been writing with jack latham jam city on this other song called use this thing and we had had like three days together on this track and i remember we had spent hours and hours on this kick drum sound <laughs> and i was going mental That's i was my just job, like <laughs> i was just like jack the kick drum sounds fine and then he is looping this kick drum with this vocal from Use This Thing, and the vocal was the looped vocal for what became the loop vo vocal for Me and Your Ghost, I went over and I said, can you put the mic on him and, and let's loop this? And he started playing piano. And Me and Your Ghost came within five minutes of, of after having three days of trying to get this other song done, like it was <laughs> five minutes, and I love it when that, when that happens. Um, and then I took it to Dave and Quez and... Up to this point, me and Dave had been like, you know, we've been playing lots of music to each other and stuff. And I come from, like, I think that, that Dave kind of knew where I sat. Like, I love a lot of jazz. He he gets he gets my vibe. Um, and I remember this just being like, I remember we were in Quez's studio and Quez was working on one thing. Dave was working on <laughs> another thing in in the same little space, both on headphones. And I was working on something else, all of us on headphones. And Dave's head was nodding so hard. <laughs> like, I've never seen anything like it. I thought his head was going to come off his shoulders. I think it did. It's so, <laughs> so I was just like, I was standing over him like, let me hear, let me hear, let me hear. And he was like, this is sick. <laughs> so then I remember hearing what he had done for the first time and kind of losing my mind. Like, God, he gets it. Like, th this is exactly what I imagined. Fascinating. And so what are we going to hear first? At, at what stage of development is, is the first bit that we're going to hear? The first bit is mine and the first one is mine and Jack's demo and this is literally the five minute demo so so it hasn't really been touched since then. So those keys are Jack, yeah. Jam City Yeah, playing. on my piano, my and, flat. Yeah. Um, you said that the loop originated from your vocal and a, a kick drum, um, but I uh, can't hear any kick drum. This was, because he was looping this kick drum, mm. this was the vocal behind that he was looping on this kick drum and I was like, wait a minute, like let's use that vocal. So you um, took out the kick drum, just took left, out the, kick drum, just just left, left the vocal loop. Yeah, and I love how that is the pulse, you know, that... 
that is now the pulse of the song and like the heart of the song is this loop. It's actually quite hard to find because I've tried it many times since. A vocal that isn't annoying after hearing it so many times. And I, I with this one, I do, I do love hearing it. I can't hear it too much because it kind of becomes this this other this otherworldly thing it's like another it's like a texture but also the pulse um and i haven't been able to do that since unfortunately but hearing that that and that hypnotic effect made you want to sing on top of it and did you improvise those words then on top so that was just all off the top of your head yeah this is this is literally the first words that came and i i stuck to them yeah so it's about it's about loss and 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 resentment because someone's kind of left you um like the, the words are you were busy going underground when i needed you the most and you lost any fight you ever had and now it's just me and your ghost and actually at the time it was like someone someone had just left me emotionally it wasn't it wasn't actually like a physical death um but also i do i do live uh backing onto a graveyard which probably helps with <laughs> with the darkness <laughs> <laughs> physical darkness <laughs> But those words just poured out for you. you know, yeah, 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 wow. yeah. In like this five minutes, thing. I can, I sort, I can sort of feel that so much with with Rowe. It's like I think it's part of where we connect and why I love her music making and the spirit of it. Um, there's there's danger and spontaneity and and experimentation, and I think those things are often squeezed out of modern music. Um, you know, and we all suffer because of it, basically. And um, so, you know, I could tell when I heard that it was such pure expression. Um, it's something that I, I really love about about what Rosie does. Yeah, it's amazing to me. I think you can hear that in that demo. It's really, really clear. Just she's expressing herself. She's not thinking about what someone's going to think or, you know. And then how did you think, how can I develop this or how can we develop this? You know, where, where can we take it? Um, I guess I just tried to respond in a similar way. I just went with how it was making me feel. And, um, you know, I feel like there's a, there's a strong sense of narrative in, in Rosie's music. And I think she wants a story to, to, to be highlighted. I just kind of went on that, that journey and, and went with what the music was making me feel. And whenever I listen to it, I always remember um, sort of playing this this piano solo on it, which you'll hear kind of towards the end of the track. And I was playing it on my laptop, like QWERTY keyboard thing. <laughs> I'd converted the, the, the key, you know, you can convert the keyboard into a controller. Um, and I mean, it must have looked absolutely absurd. I mean, thank God I was with Rosie and Quez who were accepting creative individuals because I, I don't know how stupid it must have looked, but that's how inside the moment I was. I was like, you know, I was playing my laptop like it was a, you know, a Steinway basically. <laughs> <You know? laughs> like I was at sort of the North Sea Jazz Festival, just like totally like, you know, in the moment. Um, but that, you know, that's the power of music. That's what it does to you. And I, I love the fact that, um, you can be transported in that way by someone's raw expression. Um, so yeah, I was, I was try, trying to kind of do that without really thinking about it, but I'll, I can play what we did. Yeah, great. It's exactly the same. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing's changed. <laughs> Quez made some really beautiful contributions to this as well, so yeah. it was so cool. So, so the bit when you were playing the uh, QWERTY keyboard like a Steinway, yeah, um, did that coincide with Rosie seeing you nodding your head Pretty vigorously? Nice. Yeah, it was so you're kind of, kind of lost in the moment, uh, moving I, that head around. Yeah, that's what was going on. And I'm going, Dave, Dave, let me hear. Yeah. And he's saying, In a minute, Rosie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
And so all these beats that are coming in, are they added later or are they, are they anything to do with quares or...? or? Um, they were sort of... So we had this kind of, as Rosie described, we kind of all had our workstations and we were sort of feeding into each other's thing. So quares would start something and then hand it over to me and then I'd... This one kind of, I sort of was just got lost in it. So yeah, I did a kind of a lot of the programming and... and playing and and um and quez added some of these beautiful textures that you can hear now in the in the background but um yeah most of the programming was was me and then um something which has become a big part of what ro and i do um she really loves uh process sound basically so so i would then do performance takes where i'd feed i'd feed all that stuff quez would send me the programming and put it through my guitar pedals and i'd i'd perform with the pedals basically to create like other right. other textures and sounds. So, so all these sounds are pretty much performed they're not just added on like you might add a bit of color here and there but they're, they're performed recording it all to, so um, that you capture it all not no not not it, we'd often be working on different things or, or two there might be two things going on so maybe road be um, recording vocals, Quez would be recording Rosie's vocals, and I might be working on an element of, of you know one of the other tracks. And then we'd come together, we'd have a break and a cup of tea, and listen to what we had, and then go, oh, let's do this bit together. And we'd often save like the pro you know, the processing until the end of the day, or until the track was in in a relatively good place, and then have like one last play around with it. Um, but it was an incredibly fluid process. It happened really. I mean, I feel like. The bulk of the EP really was, we did it in a few days, really. Yeah, it was um, really quick. It was a very it? quick process. And, you know, partly that was because the songs were just so great. It was kind of all there. I remember Quez and I sort of looking at each other and going, cool, this is going to be easy. <laughs> you know, and, and also there wasn't a lot of communication. As Rose said before, we didn't really talk about like what we were going to do or what kind of beat it was or who we were referencing or anything. It was just about how we all felt. It just felt like we were on a, on a wavelength and... Um, there was a lot of trust there, wasn't there? Yeah, an enormous amount of trust. It felt very, very positive and very free and very playful. And I think that's what you can hear in that track. There is a, there is a sort of playfulness about it. Um, it's like it's off grid. <laughs> it's like you know, it's it's human. And I, I I'm, I, you know, I'm, a, I'm also a fan of that in music and, and in electronic music. I think I want to hear an element of performance, basically, and and however subtly or overtly that occurs you know i want to feel like things are moving and they're alive um hmm. and know. did you re-record your vocal then uh, once you hooked up with quez and dave uh, yeah i yeah, did yeah yeah i actually um i i'm kind of uh you know i've got i'm really 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 particular about vocal production <laughs> and i know exactly how i want vocals to sound or how i like vocals to sound um and the processing on them and everything really um, so most of the time I just record vocals at home because there's no point in putting anyone else through that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I can just delete them as I want instead of being like, can you delete that please now? And them saying, no, it's great. Me being like, delete it now. <laughs> um, so yeah, um, I, I, yeah, I think I just recorded them, re-recorded them at home. Um, it felt like because the song had moved on so much, it felt like it needed like a different just a different vocal from like my kind of very tired heard a kick drum on repeat for two hours <laughs> vocal <laughs> right. um so do you have a nice little setup for you to record vocals at home do you know what i feel really embarrassed to say this my vocal recording place is like probably it would be frowned upon so heavily but for me like it's it's just all about it's all about being comfortable that's like the best vocal and um that vocal was done on my like very cheap mic back then i've upgraded now um <laughs> but a little focus right and uh and a little road mic that cost me like 200 quid or something and i still haven't found a vocal sound that i like as much as that i've got like a really expensive mic now really really good compressor all of this sort of stuff and i i still haven't found like the warmth of like the simplicity of a setup somehow like the best vocals that I've ever done, I think, that are at home in the moment of... I get demoitis with vocals, like, in a big way, because when you're feeling it and it's, like, that raw 
emotion, even if they're not perfect, like that's where that's where the best vocals are, I think. And I've spent hours upon hour upon hour, like trying to get the same feeling of vocals. But when it's like three months later and you've been through a journey with that song, you approach a song differently and and you can then I approach it with a like a, a sense of perfectionism, like vocal perfectionism of how I like to hear vocals and it's more technical. And actually what I learned from the album to now is like I'm not gonna go back and record vocals in the same way that I did. Mm. Well if it works and and it does work. It sounds mm. That's it, fantastic. It? And yeah. so the success of Me and Your Ghost and the Right Thing EP for success for, from a, a creative perspective meant that you wanted to continue this re- music-making relationship further and it was natural to work on your debut album, Rosie, together. And was Quez still involved for the album as well? Or um, he, he was at the beginning and then um, in the end it ended up really just being me and Ro um, going on that, on that kind of whole journey. So yeah, in the early stages Quez was was involved and I think he became kind of he was involved in some other things and the tight you know sometimes that happens like yeah so there was there was certainly a point where it felt like this was mine and Rose journey and we were being supported by by Paul Epworth at Wolf Tone who was kind of execing things and yeah but really it was kind of our space to to go in on an album process which was so so precious actually especially um I feel like in this day and age with how a lot of records are made in quite a sort of piecemeal and fragmented fashion, it was amazing to be given a space just with one person to kind of really, really go in on something, yeah. You may have heard us talk about Tape It before, and if you haven't, then let me fill you in, as they are the sponsor of today's episode with a fantastic offer for you. Tape It is an iPhone recording app made by musicians for musicians. Many of our guests on Tape Notes, music industry friends and listeners rely on voice notes to record their early ideas. People like the Lumineers, Ezra Collective and Fred again have all shared recordings with us made on voice notes. But what you wouldn't have heard are the long pauses where they're searching for those recordings. We wouldn't want to put you through that. As you can understand, organising and finding the right notes, let alone a specific part, can be a nightmare. Tape It solves all of that voice memo chaos with intuitive labelling features, including automatic instrument detection, markers and collaborative mixtapes, meaning you can share band practices, organise set lists and brainstorm ideas with co-writers and band members. Plus, you can record straight from your lock screen and attach text and photo notes to each recording. One of our favourite features within Tape It Pro is that you can record in stereo using two microphones along with gentler dynamic compression to give a much more natural sound than any of the usual apps. It's a huge upgrade to the microphone and all-round audio quality. It really helps support the podcast whenever you engage with our sponsors. So if Tape It sounds like an app you'd use, then do us a favour. Pause the episode, head to the link in a recent episode show notes, or visit tape.it forward slash tape notes and give Tape It a go. That's tape.it forward slash tape notes. You can download for free or use the promo code tape notes for 50% off Tape It Pro. Thank you. And now on with the show. Did you do it? Honestly, Tape It is fantastic. All of the Tape Notes team members are complete converts. And excitingly, some of our guests have started to use it as well. So I really would recommend checking it out. So with Me and Your Ghost, you had this demo that you shared with Dave. So mm-hmm. with regard to the other songs on, on the record, um, did you have that or did you, ha- did you start in a different way? Um, I, wrote, I wrote them in 1990. 90- five percent of the record um at home in devon actually i felt i felt like i needed to get out of london i felt like there was too much noise in london so i kind of i'd drive i'd pack up my studio quite often into my car and drive down to devon and set up in my brother's old room um in my dad's house and um and i'd just go down there and it was it was pretty incredible actually i like as some of I'll remember those times for for years. I'll never, ever, ever forget writing some of those songs. Like it just felt like an incredible place for me to be, and a lot of silence. And I think that's what I needed. And um, I wrote the majority of it down there. And at the start, I'd kind of take the productions to as far as I felt like they needed to be to kind of 
get across what I wanted to get across for Dave for Dave to understand where I wanted it to go. But most of the time I'd send him, sometimes I'd send him three songs that I'd done, knowing that there was one particular one that I was really digging, but I wouldn't say, or I'd say there's one that I'm digging, here's the three. Like, I wouldn't tell him which one it was. It was a test. <laughs> <laughs> I was testing him and the rest of my team, and thank God it always came back right. Like I never had to fight for that. They always felt like, you know, they always felt right. Um, so that was kind of the process, and then I'd, I'd um, send them to Dave, and then you know Dave would start working on it, and particularly with the, like once it got to kind of like probably you know control, um, I I didn't take the song on any more than a certain point for for a good reason because you know I I wanted Dave to I said like I like this I'd love this repeated I'd love some chords whatever like do whatever you want I wanted him to have the freedom to be able to put his mark on things and and to put Dave on it because he he got me and I had that trust because it is like you're handing over your babies when you're handing over your songs and the, the, the songs the, the album's called Control because I was trying to kind of relinquish control and it was the, the process of the album really was a, a situation where I I put my whole I relinquish control through trust and love and and like having this incredible person to be able to do that with. And I remember like walking back into his studio and hearing stuff and being like, what? That is meant like, you know, like I couldn't I couldn't have been happier about where that went. Well, we're going to hear control in due course. Um, but there's another song that you felt was the starting point of recording the album. And I'm interested in, at one point you were recording um, your music, Rosie, and the demos were just your voice. But this time, having gone back to Devon for a while, did you bring instruments with you and you were um, layering up instruments as well as your voice? Or did you present Dave with this multi-vocal um, songwriting regime? It was it was a it was more uh, instrument incorporation. Right. Uh, I think that there was uh, I layer up vocals a lot. I I probably would have done that with a lot of these tracks and then put them onto piano or something before I sent them to Dave because that would have been a whole lot of confusing for him. But um, but yeah, I I vocals are like a big part of my starting point in terms of like melody and hearing where harmony goes. If if I've got an idea about where it goes, I'll sing it and then I'll find it after because. Um, my ears are better than my um, my 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 finger skills. Um, so um, yeah, I was using Logic and and uh, I think I recorded this on my on my granddad's old piano at my right. dad's house. I remember recording this piano and it pissing me off. My dad's pedal. <laughs> that he hadn't got sorted <laughs> and I like really gave him an earful like dad please can you get this pedal sorted and it didn't so I, I just sprayed it with WD-40 and I put a mic there instead <laughs> yeah so it became integral to the track yeah. didn't it <laughs> <laughs> So this is all the demo. 
this yeah. is what you yeah. sent from Devon Rosie to Dave. Yeah. yeah. And you can hear, like, it's kind of a production. It's sort of a mm. thing in its own right. And I, I, I always, I found that so intriguing as well. Just, I feel, I, even going back to those first things that I heard that had all been made by Rosie's mouth, essentially, they kind of had this sense of, like, this exists in this world and these are the elements. And I really felt that I, I needed to respect that, you know. So it was, again, like it's that signposting thing. It's so great when you have that kind of clarity, especially if you, you know, identify with it. I don't think it would have worked if I hadn't. But, I, yeah, I just, I loved this when I heard it. I was like, this is fantastic. You should mm. just put this out, get it mastered. Do you want to hear the um, final version? Or yeah. Or just, so, I mean, well, dis- what what did you think? Having heard that demo, what did you think? Right. I mean, that is amazing. I'm blown away. I absolutely love it. Mm-hmm. But what it needs? Um, again, like I just tried to open myself up to to hear what it needs, you know, and not kind of impose a sort of vision on it. I tried to let the song just tell me, you know, and to play. And I, I always, I always give myself, I try and give myself permission to do that. And um, I try to tell myself, and I, you know, I do really believe this, that, um, you know, no, no creative endeavor is a waste of time. It's like, it's always an investment in, in, in your own creativity. And I think that's what's so great about being creative and sustaining your creativity. So, that allows me to sort of be unconditional in my approach. So I, I don't, you know, I'm always up for trying things and I'm I'm totally up for failing miserably. And that's, you know, there's that sort of thing where I, I would expect Rosie to just be able to say to me and I'd want to create the conditions for her to say, you know what, that's just not the thing. Um, and I'd be like, great, well, I had a really fun time making that. Do you know what I mean? So it's that that's fine. So I, I kind of try to go at it with that sort of attitude. Um, and just to let the music say, you know, I think, you know, I need some texture here or I need, you know, um, yeah. So let's hear what you did uh, then in okay. response. Yes, yeah. Um. I guess like hearing this back, like listening to the what we did with the piano, you know, it's like taking that sort of detuned extremity and kind yeah. of turning it into this like aquatic barroom piano, basically. And that's sort of a feature on on me and your ghost. It sort of started there, really. That that thing. Yeah, like a piano played under the sea. Yeah, the, yeah. In the club under the sea. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's what we did, basically. Yeah. We just recorded it with yeah, Under I, the Sea. I chucked Rosie in the sea. With my cat swimming, <laughs> like I was playing. Sounds like a Matthew Herbert record. <laughs> I remember recording the vocals for this one was unbelievably hard. I I cried a lot recording the first only song that, that that happened with in the album. And you recorded them in Devon or did you come back to London I, to record? I the, recorded all, all of the, the vocals um, with an engineer called Joe and um, and Paul picked out a really, really nice vintage Neumann for me to record on. And um, so I did all the vocals within like, we spent like, you know, quite an intense amount of time together um, doing it and my god he has patience of a saint because I'm really Paul quite particular no, this or, is or Joe the, oh, the, the engineer that right. Paul put me Paul's with engineer. who's a, a lovely guy and he's he really is Paul put me with him because he's patient and I think <laughs> Paul knows having done a session with me before that I'm really 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 funny with vocals so um, yeah we got to know each other <laughs> it's one way of putting it <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm worried about asking this next question, but how is Nicole? She's no. great. Yeah, 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 yeah. She's good. She's good now. I, poor thing. Like, how hard must that be? Um, being friends with me and knowing that I'm going to write songs about you, <laughs> and with your name in the title. Like, yeah, it's not it's no very fun, subtle. is it? It's not very subtle. No. 
Um, I remember sending her, it was once me and David finished, kind of got to a place with it. And I was like, oh shit, I really want this to be on the album. Like this really feels like kind of the heart of where I want this record to go. Um, I'm going to have to ask Nicole if I can put this on the record. Like this is a really difficult situation because I was, if she wasn't happy with the, about it, there's absolutely no doubt I wouldn't have put it on the record. And it's not a situation that I was going to change the name Sharon or something. It just wouldn't have really worked. So... I was like totally ready for her to be like, no, like that's too close. Um, but, you know, she was amazing about it. And she was like, of course, um, it's absolutely fine. And, you know, luckily she wasn't with the person anymore. So it was like a situation that it was okay. And I, I really, it was, she basically said, because you've asked me, it's fine. And I appreciate that you've asked me, um, which obviously I would um, always ask. But, um, you know, poor, well, every time she comes to a gig, everyone's staring at her through that song. So I think it's like, <laughs> she hasn't been to a gig in a while. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, obviously, um, the, the way we've been talking about Nicole and, and how complete the different ways of approaching and, and creating the, the music and the song mm. are, are kind of two solo performances. But at the same time, it'd be nice to hear little bits of of the work that you did do cr to create those sounds and yes. I think you've got a couple of things up, up your sleeve Dave yeah you? yeah I've got I've got the stems here I haven't seen them for a while or heard them in isolation so this is interesting for me but I remember part of the way for me to deal with that that thing of actually making sure those two distinct processes were integrated was to use what was there as much as possible so I love using Rosie's demos basically um as you know any elements that i can i will use i won't replace them i might process them or kind of enhance them in some way because i just think that really you know gives the whole thing a heart and a clear identity um similarly um the idea of of creating textures um and kind of mystery in the track from from rosie's vocals for example that that kind of um that became a big part of the process as well so um uh, I'll, I'll see if I can dig out some bits of vocal processing. Um, you can get a sense of what's kind of going on underneath. Don't ever ask me to recreate that again. I have no idea how I made these sounds, but um, yeah, essentially they all came from, all this comes, came from Rosie's vocals. And you, you've actually sent them to your guitar so that you can play yes. them? Um, well, you're... I've sent them to uh, my pedals, essentially. Mm. So I'm processing them with combinations of, of my pedals and creating kind of performances. So rather than just having the parameters set, you know, a particular way, I'm, I'm moving with, with, with her performance, you know, to sort of create something. So a lot of, a lot of texture would come out of that or little hooks or, you know, little themes that would repeat through the song. Um, I guess, the, yeah, another, maybe another element on the track, which is kind of a bit of a theme in, in some of the music we've made is, is, yeah, the kind of um, sort of subaquatic kind of piano thing. So yeah, when I heard when I heard the demo, I just I sort of imagined Rosie in like a bar, like playing the piano, you know, almost like in a kind of Tom Waitsy sort of fashion. Um, so I like the idea of of just this piano, this imperfect kind of characterful instrument being the sort of bedrock of um, you know of the song in a way. So. Uh, Rosie's piano kind of sounded kind of like that. And we just integrated. The sea. And <laughs> we put it into the sea. I put, I put Rosie into the sea. Um, got her a wetsuit and a wetsuit for her <laughs> piano and just chucked her in the sea. And it a like piano wetsuit. That's a good idea, isn't it? <laughs> and that was something that we, yeah, it was a kind of something that we employed on Me On Your Ghost, so it was kind of nice to have that, that continuity. Mm. Uh, 
And it sounds fantastic. And it's, it's fascinating to hear these things isolated as well, yeah. all these little raw elements. Because obviously when you, when you listen to the song as a whole, you get swept up in the emotion and, and story of the song. Um, and and all of those sounds are helping to tell that story and, and give it the impact that it does. But then you hear them and there's so much detail. Mm. Control is the title of the album. Control was what you were trying to relinquish, Rosie, through this whole process because you felt you had you felt that you wanted too much control mm -hmm. over what you were creating. Yeah. You know? The title control didn't come it it didn't it was like very late in the process when I was writing out all the lyrics and I realized that the word control was in I think every single song without thinking about it and I was like hey I got an issue here let's go get some therapy <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I was like okay well I've been looking for you know a song title and uh, I think that maybe um, I've just given myself one um, completely subconsciously um, control for me the song control it's all very confusing um, was like I'll, I'll always 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 remember writing that song and um it sits like super super close to my heart and i feel like it in the same way of me and your ghost i feel like that was kind of dave's baby of the ep i feel like control was his baby of the album and it's the one that he went like super in and um the one that like i i I actually really relinquished the control. I needed him to go super in on this song. And, and um, the demo is like absolutely excruciating because the drums are like so out of time. Um, but I it, I got to a point, I wrote it at like three till five in the morning after I had a big argument with my dad and um, about control. <laughs> and um, and I got to a point, I was like, okay, that that's enough. Actually, I want, I want Dave to like finish this off in like a, a big way. Like I think, I think he's going to hear where I want this to go. So uh, the irony is that you sing, we need control, but you're trying to... <laughs> I'm saying, ironically, I'm talking to my dad. Right. Basically, um, you know, about trying to... Um, it was a conversation about trying to get everything in place. I'm sure every child's had this, uh, this conversation with their parent and every parent will need to have this conversation with their child at some point, but trying to get everything in place, like practical stuff for, you know, the inevitable when when we pass and um and my frustration with always this conversation coming up i think it's unpleasant for every child to hear um and that actually you know you can't you can't have everything kind of tied up neatly you've got to just have faith that it's all going to work out the right way and um i think it all just kind of came came to a point um and i, I was like in a super raw place and I wrote this song and I just remember waking up the next day and, and usually when I wake up, I, I write most of these songs at night and then I wake up the next day and I kind of keep myself busy. I don't want to hear, I don't want to play it because it might just, I might just have written something really awful. Um, but I remember waking up and like crawling into that room and just like hitting play straight away and feeling like I've, it like really released something for me. And um yeah, I've, I've, I just feel like it was a really, really key song. Fantastic. So let's hear what you got then, Dave, before you got to work. With sure. It. OK. Um, control demo. Very go. sorry about the drums. <laughs> <laughs> that actually better than my drums. Well, <laughs> shut up. Put her hands to her face uh, in embarrassment at those drum sounds. I don't know what the, but they I give mean, an idea yeah, of exactly. What you, they tell you yeah. what's, what's going on, right? I, I just wanted something very wonky. <laughs> Before we lose it all, 
I love it. I just love it. It's so cool. It is interesting. I mean, it does, I, I love the sound of these demos, and it, yeah. it, it, it makes me think there could be another album or an EP of mm. just the demos on their yeah, own because absolutely. they just have a, a, a feel to them. Mm. Well, yeah, I know. I, I, one, one day I probably will because I think, I think that it's important. I think, I think it's really great that people can hear the process of songs because, you know, I think it's problematic in some ways that people just hear this end kind of polished, mm. polished uh, product and don't get that it's months and and well it's years of work you know because you know especially with the first album it's like your whole life goes into it, um, but especially with social media and all of this stuff it just looks all looks so clean and it's anything but clean really. Process. So what did you do next then, Dave? Mm. <laughs> so Dave's already lost. lost in the music. I'm so lost in it. I just, I heard those chords and I was just like, what have you done? That's just like, I thought it was like Debussy or something. It was just so beautiful. And you'll hear that, I, you know, that, that sound and those, that performance is like untouched in, in the, in the final version. Cause I just, I loved it so much. So, um, I just, yeah, was felt, it just felt like such a privilege to be given license to, getting the sandpit with this track and um, I did some stuff and, and you know, Rose instructions were really so straightforward. You know, she just told me she wanted this section at the end. So I just tried something and um, what you hear on the record is pretty much what I tried. So um, it ended up like this. Rain is the rain from when I recorded it, I believe. Devon Rain. Yeah. The cleanest kind in the world. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you wouldn't want Deptford rain. No. <laughs> Very toxic, acidic. Toxic Deptford rain. It rained, um, I think, every time, like on most of the vocal, the demo vocals on the album have got rain in the back. A lot of rain in Devon. <laughs> So those drum patterns, yeah. How did you build those up? I think I just I kind of played them in with my fingers because um, right. I I sort of wanted I often need to do that to kind of find the feeling that I'm that I'm after if I'm if I'm sort of programming something. Um, I believe I was using the drum tracks on this one. Um, and yeah, and then they're, they're processed along with everything else in the track. So to, to kind of give it that sonic glue, really. But it was, I, I always tried to keep everything in Rose Music performance driven, mm. really. So um, the idiosyncrasy and, and imperfection is there with, with every element, because I, I think that's what makes it good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 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 And it, it, are you just using the keyboard on a computer to, to pad those in, or, or um, do you turn to...? No, I think in this this particular insta instance with the drums, I was using the drum tracks machine, um, drum machine, so, mm. which is, you know, kind of a bit bigger than a QWERTY keyboard. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it kind of allowed me to go in a little, a little more. And when I, when I did the vocals for this, the poor boy, Joe, who I did vocals with, I insisted that we could only start doing the vocals for this track at 1am to get the same feel as when I wrote it. <laughs> he was like a situation of us, like he was just looking at his watch, like, can we start now? We caught myself, nope. <laughs> you're, you're starting to appear like Sly Stone or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah there were like monkeys and dogs walking around. Yeah. <laughs> this is the bit that I asked him to repeat. So, I mean, th this was a whole process for you, Rosie, of of trust and trusting someone to let them 
kind of take what you were trying to create mm. um, and and take it to a place that you felt that you couldn't necessarily. Mm. Um, Absolutely. And I mean, it, it does, particularly listening to that song, I mean, it does sound like, you know, this could almost be a live performance with a band mm-hmm. and... But it's just the two of you. So by having just the two of you work on it, you retain the control that you want over your art, Mm -hmm. in effect, because Mm -hmm. you have built up this relationship of Mm -hmm. trust and understanding. Um, But then because of the prowess of the people involved, you're able to then create a six, eight piece band that could Mm -hmm. just be kind of lost in the groove and and going for it. Mm and and it really sounds like that, I think. You know, and that's something you you're saying, Rosie, that you know, it's such fun to play this song live. So that's now something that you've been able to recreate in effect with the band when you then take it to the stage, which is another thing entirely, isn't it? Absolutely, yeah, yeah. And it's definitely like approaching all the best, all my favorite songs on the album um, are the ones that do have more freedom and that are are able to be played out more and you know um have less on track and uh, me and your ghost is still one of my favorite ones to play control is still one of the my favorite ones to play because it's as a band it's like we're not playing to a track which is so much the case these days with so many bands and it's not we're playing together and we're we are responding to the audience like these are the songs that they could they can go on for five minutes or they could be two minutes depending on what the audience are kind of doing and moving forward that's something that I'm really really key to bring into the next album is like that live element it's got to be enjoyable and it's got to be something that it is I want these songs to be something that I can can be transferable well it works a treat (laughs) and and so for this new record that you're already in the process of writing is it just going to be the two of you or are you going to actually you know get record a band yeah i think i think that's something we're interested in exploring i think um at this point where it's just a wide open door you know it's like there's there's space for us to play around and try different things out and it already feels like you know we're in a different place both of us kind of you know individually and coming together um it feels like a different process to the last record and and um that relationship is so deeply established and i i I feel Again, it just it feels like an enormous privilege to just con- continue because I think that's something that doesn't always happen. Mm. It's been so brilliant talking to you. It's, oh, you it's been absolutely fascinating hearing uh, the the background to the making of Control. Um, thanks so much for coming in to Iguana and and giving us this and sharing these stems and and this magic that clearly the two of you have together. Um, Rosie, Dave, thank you very much. Thank um, you. Um, John Kennedy. Um, this has been Tape Notes presented to you by In the Woods. Talk to you next time. I'm John Kennedy, and this has been Tape Notes brought to you by In the Woods. Come to the festival the 1st and 2nd of September, and I honestly think it's the best festival that I've ever been to, and so do many other people, from The Invisible to Laura Marling and all the other amazing artists that have played there. Have a look at the website, inthewoodsfestival.co.uk. Check out the YouTube channel. The barn sessions are on there. All sorts of amazing footage from so many of the amazing bands that have played at In The Woods over the years. And follow In The Woods on social media, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. 